welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. Today, it's time for first quarter of the season overreactions. This is part one of a two-part episode. Bryce Simon is here with me. We're going to do the Eastern Conference today, uh, and then we will do the Western Conference, I think, Wednesday night on the YouTube channel going into Thursday morning up on the podcast feed. Subscribe there. Subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. If you're listening on the podcast feed, you'll get some YouTube exclusive stuff such as video breakdowns, things like that all across the board. Remember, uh, this is the week that I am out in Bali. We have recorded this on Wednesday, December 13th in the United States. I'm assuming that we have enough of a sample to where these things won't be drastically out of date by the time something happens. If they are, I will figure something out while I'm in Bali. I don't know what yet, but I will figure out exactly how to edit and fix it. Uh, it might involve me texting Bryce and being like, Hey, Bryce, do me a favor. Uh, please record like a quick little intro to let them know how stupid we were when we said this. We will see. But that's the plan here. We're going to do five Eastern Conference overreactions. We're going to talk about them, whether they're overreactions or not overreactions. And then uh, just kind of keep talking about Eastern Conference teams. So Bryce, what's going on, buddy? What's up, Sam? I'm excited to do this. Talk about uh, five Eastern Conference here, five Western Conference on the next one. And yeah, it'll be interesting. Emphasis on overreactions. And so I know some of these, like whenever we say it's going to be like, what the heck are they talking about? We may not believe in them. Uh, We had a text message back and forth where we were like, Let's throw out all of these. I think we essentially went through almost every single team, Sam, of potential ones. And I, I said, Sam, I want you to know, I don't necessarily believe these, but these are some ones we could come up with. I think it'll drive good discussion about these teams and it'll be a lot of fun, like it always is. Yeah. So on the structure of this podcast, right? The whole point is I will say a statement at the top that is meant to be provocative i guess in some way and we will talk about whether it's an overreaction to what's happening or it's not an overreaction to what's happening right that's the idea here uh it's not meant to be an exact statement that we believe it's a statement that gets us talking about the actual things that are occurring on the court uh and then actually being able to discuss them and break them down okay bryce are you ready to dive in let's do it Overreaction number one, the Boston Celtics need to make a trade to acquire more depth in order to win an NBA title. As presently constructed, they will not win the NBA title. Bryce, overreaction, real, fake, where are we at? So I'm going to say overreaction, but I do think they need more depth. The reason I'm saying it's an overreaction, Sam, is I think they probably can win the NBA title without more depth, but that's if everything goes right. I'm looking through the top nine guys on their team right now, and I I like those nine guys. I like them. They've been pretty healthy with those nine guys, Sam, and they've got really good production from all of them. Other than Al Horford, I'm a little bit concerned where he's at. But I think having another wing forward with some athleticism and some defense is something the Boston Celtics could really use. 
And I think it for me, it's just a, a little bit of a safeguard, a little bit of a plan B if Sam Hauser goes cold. I don't know if Sam Hauser does go cold. He seems like an elite NBA shooter that maybe never goes cold from beyond the line. But I just it would make me feel a little bit better. I think they're probably the best team in the East. I feel pretty good about that. I love that top six. I, I like Pritchard. I like Cornette. I like Hauser. I would feel ultimately about this team if they could add that just a little bit. So it's an overreaction because I think they can win the title without it, Sam, but I still would like to see them do it. Well, I think what it does is it reduces their margin for error. Right now, I think they have like very, very little margin for error across the board. And you can say that like, okay, if Jason Tatum gets hurt, you know, they're fucked anyway, right? That's true. They are. Uh, If Nikola Jokic gets hurt, the Nuggets are fucked. If LeBron James gets hurt, the Lakers are fucked. Like uh, you can do this for every team in terms of the stars, right? But the key is that what happens if Derek White gets hurt or something like that, right? Right now, I don't think the Celtics have enough depth to account for what happens in that scenario, right? Uh, If Derek White gets hurt, you are then playing Peyton Pritchard probably thir- like 28 minutes a night, something like that. Not as a starter, but like as a guy that like has to come off the bench and like really play minutes because they just need somebody who can come in and be able to take up a backcourt spot. They are, you know, in a good position where they do have a lot of backcourt depth between, you know, Derek White, Drew Holiday. Like you can play Jalen Brown at the two. You can probably swing playing Jason Tatum at the two. Uh, you know, Pritchard can at least be like, okay, as a backup, at least he plays 20 minutes a night now, but they, they need another guard and they need another, you know, defensive wing. Like if you look at who is coming off the bench right now for them, it's kind of hard to find the guy that like you really trust defensively on the perimeter. Al Horford has been the guy that for the most part this season has come off the bench. He started 20 games at the time of this recording or started eight games out of the 20 he's played at the time of this recording. Sam Hauser has started too, but like your main bench guys are Al Horford, Sam Hauser, Peyton Pritchard, and then Luke Cornett. Those are your real four that you're playing consistently night after night. And none of those guys are perimeter defenders. And you can talk about the fact that we have the best perimeter defensive duo in the backcourt in the NBA in Derek white and drew holiday. And I think that's accurate, but you need something there. I think to be able to take the pressure off of those guys in order to keep your win and loss record up in the regular season, as well as be able to withstand any sort of injury and be able to kind of rest those guys potentially throughout the course of the season as well and not overtax them. Well, all of those starters are playing over 30 minutes right now. Tatum's almost at 37. Holiday's almost at 35. Brown at 34. Even Kristaps is over 30. I'll go even further than what if Derek, what if Sam Hauser got hurt, Sam? Like what if Hauser got hurt? I'm not saying that's like, oh my gosh, Sam Hauser. Sam Hauser is a sneaky integral part of the Boston Celtics as currently constructed. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that he's the linchpin to them winning an NBA title. That would be asinine for me to say. What I'm saying is 
I don't feel as warm and cozy about this team if Sam Hauser is hurt because of the floor spacing he provides. He is playing 23 minutes a night, averaging almost 10 points a game. And they haven't, at least up to this point, shown a ton of belief in anybody else on the roster. I said this in the last week's recording. I was wrong about Jordan Walsh and them having any faith in him playing, but I was right in terms of there was a path to that type of player playing for this Celtics team. It would be nice if Jordan Walsh was ready. Obviously, they don't believe he is. And so that's where I still am at, that they need that. And so, again, it's an overreaction because they can win it with the nine guys they have playing right now. But you said it perfectly. The margin of error seems pretty thin with what they're playing with right now. I think it's quite thin at this point. And it's so thin that it's concerning. Look, like Denver threaded this needle last year. And like, so you very clearly can win the title, which makes this a bit of an overreaction, right? You can absolutely thread the needle if your guys stay healthy, but you don't want that to have to be the case. I think it's more unlikely that the Celtics win the title without making a move for depth. And look, The Celtics are very limited in what they can do. They do not have a ton of assets. One thing they do have is a $6.1 million trade exception. Part of it as well is that their salary situation is constructed as so to where they don't have a lot of flexibility in terms of who they can move. But with that $6.1 million trade exception, you could maybe try and find somebody like Dean Wade makes $5.7 million and probably would not cost a lot to get out of Cleveland. I would imagine Uh, just kind of looking through like names, like could you try and give Chuma Okiki a chance out of Orlando as a guy that like has one year left on his contract before hitting restricted free agency. Uh, Basically just like one of these guys, the guy that I really like is Jay Sean Tate. He doesn't fit within the trade exception. We talked about that on the last episode though. I don't know that we need to like totally rehash it uh, here as well. There are names that I think you could try and make work and try and swing and see if there's something there. Basically. I I think that they can do something though. Like I, I think that they have, a late first round pick this year to be able to try and get a guy. That's what I would try and do. I'd be using that late first round pick to go and try and get like a seventh man, something like that in their rotation. And via Spotrack, they also are owed a Warriors protected pick. So they do have a little bit of asset there in terms of their own picks in 24, 25, 26, 27, and then a protected Warriors pick as well. So on a team that probably isn't going to want to trust young rookies anyway, it may be worth using those assets to go get the guy, whoever that guy is. And then you use the salaries to match. And I just think like, again, I think you just said it perfect. The less, the, 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 the wider you can make the margin for air with this team. Like you said, the, the top six have to stay healthy, right? If Tatum gets hurt, you're screwed. If Porzingis gets hurt, you're screwed. But you don't want to not win the title because you don't have enough depth whenever you have those guys. I love watching this team play defense, Sam, by the way. They have the hands on this team are crazy 
between these guys. Like, I, it has to be so frustrating to be an offensive player. And yeah. then I heard you talk about it. Kristaps has been pretty good defensively in his own right. So it, it's very well constructed in that starting lineup, I feel like. I just would hate to be like, oh, if they had one more piece, you know, one one more rotation player, one more wing defender, you know, whatever it is, I would just hate that that end up being the reason they don't go all the way to the finals and win it. And because of that, I think they should make a move. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I actually don't think that they have an extra first rounder. I think they moved that, if I remember correctly, to uh, Portland in the Drew Holiday deal. Okay, uh, so... Maybe I need to think, get off slow track for draft pick stuff then. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. I think they moved that to to uh I believe that that is now owned by Portland at this point. But regardless, like they have this year's pick and they can move this year's pick. Like that's that's the thing. Like you can move the 26th to 30th overall pick and that's what something like this should cost, right? Like if you're going out and trying to find a player that you think could reasonably help you that makes under $6.1 million. It's probably in the ballpark of that value, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, Fanspo does not have that. So I apologize to the listeners. And I think Spotrack is an awesome resource for cap stuff and a lesson learned for me tonight. It, it, it's incredible. Keith Smith is awesome. Yeah. Um, but again, I may have to use some other resources for some draft pick situation <laughs> moving forward. So I think that's caught me uh, twice in, in the last couple episodes. So a slight overreaction, I think, but one that we're in agreement, like the Celtics need to go find somebody, I think. And they've been awesome this season. There's a reason that they're 17 and five. There's a reason that they have a top seven offense and a top four defense. Uh, they have been particularly really, really good. It feels like when Kristaps plays, uh, it, it just makes everything feel a lot more sensible. Like when Kristaps is in the lineup, they're beating teams by nine points per hundred possessions. And if you throw like, you know, Kristaps in lineups with like Jason Tatum they're beating teams by like 11 points per 100 possessions it, they just absolutely are hammering teams it feels like if you throw Drew Holiday into those lineups they're beating teams by 13 points per 100 possessions like that's your core trio along with Jalen Brown obviously like Jalen this year uh I think has actually been like sneaky okay on defense like I think he's actually been pretty good and especially on the ball they probably would like to see him score a little bit more efficiently than what we've seen to this point. Derek White has been great as well throughout the course incredible. of this season. Yep. And absolutely incredible. So they're in a good position. They're in a really, really positive place. They they could just use, I think, one more guy at this point to really help with flexibility as they build lineups. I really love how this roster is constructed, Sam. Like, you know, you talk about Derek yeah. White. He, like, he just makes winning plays. He's shooting the ball, lights out. You talk about Jalen Brown. Like, he gets downhill. He's aggressive. Defense has been a little bit better. We know what Tatum is. Perzingis, like, can stretch the floor, do different things, but also protect the rim. Al Horford's been willing to come off the bench. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a little nervous with him, but, you know, at 37 years old, you know he's going to slow down. Maybe it's one of those things just really saving it for when it matters in the playoffs. And then Drew Holiday. Like, Drew Holiday... You turn on games, and I love, 
I've talked about this with you before. I love the progressiveness of the NBA and the matchups they're willing to use. I think the Celtics and Joe Missoula, the forefront of that, of we'll put Luke Carnett on a non-shooting point guard <laughs> in a game and we'll let Drew Holiday go guard the power forward. You know, like they just, yeah. they're so creative with their matchups. They've gotten so out of this guy has to guard this guy positionally and they make it work. And I, I just think that creativity really comes to play in playoffs whenever you're in a series and, oh, this isn't working. Okay, we're willing to adjust. We'll go put Drew Holiday on Joel Embiid because maybe that's the best thing and let Kristaps be a weak side rim protector or, you know, whatever. That might be a little extreme, but I, I just like the creativity that they're willing to try. No, I'm totally with you. I think that they are just really, really sharp in what they do defensively. Like they have to figure out some things at the end of game on offense, but like sure. defensively, they're really, really sharp. Let's move on to overreaction number two. But before we do that, let's take one quick commercial break. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account. nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Okay, we're back. Overreaction number two is just a very simple statement, Bryce. The Toronto Raptors 
should blow up their roster. Um, I'm buying this as long as it I don't means, think this is an overreaction. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't either. I'm buying this one, but I want to stand by this. And I guess if OG doesn't want to stay, I don't know what you do. Then you have to trade him anyway. I yeah. still want to build around OG and Scotty Barnes. My dream scenario yeah. for the Raptors is you get to build around OG and Anobi and Scotty Barnes. And I know people were asking like, oh, what about what he... I don't even know that I care a whole lot about the money at this point. Like, I know you can't do something egregious, but I would pay OG. I would build around him and Scotty. I would trade Pascal and see what you can get for him. I would trade Gary Trent. I'd hope that Grady Dick is going to become a good NBA player, floor spacer, all of those things. There's some other guys on the roster that are a little bit interesting. That's what I would do. So if that's blowing it up, you know, maybe people don't think that's blowing it up. To me, that's kind of blowing it up, but that's what I would want to do. Yeah, I think at least a mini blow up of this roster is right. So just some quick numbers on where they are currently. They're 9 and 14 right now. They are 20th in offensive rating, 16th in defensive rating. They have a negative 2 net rating at the time of this recording. Uh it's 22nd in the NBA. This team in general has played a tough schedule like they are 8th so far in terms of strength of schedule according to basketball reference. Like hasn't been exactly simple for them, right? But they haven't overperformed against like that difficult schedule either. So like you could expect losses, but not at the level to which they have lost games uh, to this point. Injury-wise, they've basically stayed healthy is the biggest concern. They've played 23 games again at the time of this recording. Scotty Barnes played 23. Pascal Siakam's played 23. Schroeder and Pirtle have played 23. Only OG Ananobi in their starting lineup has missed games, and he's only missed four. So it's hard for me to look at their situation. Even when they're healthy right now, they are not good enough to compete with a schedule that is like eighth best in the league. On top of that, they have real time limits coming up here on Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and Gary Trent as well. I think this does build toward a Siakam trade is where I'm at. And that's a blow up to me. You're moving a two-time All-NBA guy. That is, in some respect, blowing up your roster in a substantial way uh, in order to build around Scotty Barnes, who you have on a rookie scale deal. So I think they need to do something is where I'm at. Like I, I do. I truly think they need to find an answer uh, that involves a real roster shakeup. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I'm kind of looking like who else, you know, you could keep Schroeder around. Uh, you know, I, I like Malachi Flynn probably more than most generally. Like I think Malachi, Malachi Flynn's a good NBA guard, like backup guard. So keep him around. Like my worry here is Sam, what if OG doesn't want to stay? then what do you do? Like, then you're truly building it up. I don't want Scotty to be left there all by himself because then I think it could get a little bit dicey for him. You know what I mean? Like now you're asking him to do everything and it's, it's going to be, we've seen that with the flag in your background right now with Cade Cunningham. Like he's been asked to do a significant amount. And, and then what happens is, 
he may not perform up to expectations of the, especially the fan base. And then the fan base starts to question him and, and like wonder and like that that's happening with Cade Cunningham. My, I get a DM every day about how Cade Cunningham's overrated or should be traded or whatever. And we don't need to turn this into to Cade Cunningham and the Pistons. I don't want that to happen to yeah, Scotty though. Perhaps my fans will love that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want that to happen to Scotty is my point. And so I guess there's a world then if you do have to trade all of these guys, one of those trades needs to not just be draft picks and future assets and young guys who may not be it. Like I would want them to bring in something that can at least help Scotty wade the waters until some of these, the young guys and the assets do become real players and all of that. Like I I don't want it to be Scotty and and assets. That's not, I don't want to see that Sam. I will say that. Yeah. Like you, you have to find the right deal. I don't know what the right deal is for Pascal right now on the market, which honestly like could be the problem with why they didn't move him this summer as well. Uh, I don't know that the right deal was out there. Atlanta was apparently aggressive. If you listen to reporting uh, in trying to acquire him, but like, if you look at Atlanta, right, what are you getting from them? Are you getting like Deandre Hunter, you know, boy or Bogdan Bogdanovich and picks like, is that kind of the, goal there uh you know deandre can play a little bit you know he can defend it on the ball at least and can shoot uh he's been at the very least like a solid shooter this season making 37 percent of his five three-point attempts per game uh bogdan Bogdanovich has been good offensively this season he would provide like a real creative guard next to scotty barnes and like you could get picks but I don't think that that like drastically betters the Toronto Raptors situation either. They're in a real, like they're between like a rock and a hard place right now in terms of what they can do. And it's fascinating to track. Like I think Siakam will have real offers. Like the team that I think makes a lot of sense is Indiana. And like, I would be fascinated in like a challenge trade of like Ben Matherin to put around Scotty Barnes. Right. Like if you could get Ben Matherin and like a pick or something from the Pacers, that sounds really intriguing to me. Uh, I don't know if the Pacers would do that necessarily, but if I was them, I would probably do it personally, but I'm not them. So you never know. I love Benedict Matherin for what it's worth. And so I I think that would be fun for him in terms of you go up there, you play with Scotty and you, you build around those two guys and, and see what you can do. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting from the Pacers perspective. I keep, we, we talked about this last week and I, I keep trying to figure out how much I like Pascal with the Pacers. I'm, I'm still trying to navigate if that's one of my, if I like that. And I think where I'm at, Sam, is I'm just like, I'm a little bit like just hold the line with the Pacers right now. I just, I, I still yeah. want to see what this team can be before they do something like that. And again, being the Ben Math guy that I am, I'm like, I think there's more there and and maybe there's not, you know, like that's just me holding on to what I thought he was coming out of college. And I don't know if he'll get to that. So I, I keep trying to decide whether I really like that um, from a Pacers perspective. Yeah. And like, just to be real with it, like the Raptors fan base has been very positive toward their team for a long, long time. Right. Like, a lot of like Masai, like in Masai, we trust, like we have full belief in him. We have full faith in them figuring it out. We have like, they, they will get it together and make it work. When I look at like the Raptors fan base and Twitter, 
and I mean that like truly positively, like Raptor Twitter, like, trust me, I have as much reason to get frustrated with Raptor Twitter as anybody with the way they've come at me about Scotty Barnes, but I, I love them. Like they're super energetic. They care about their team. They're super, uh, like into everything Toronto and everything Raptors. It does feel like the tide is turning in that way because this team doesn't really play an attractive brand of basketball. Like they look like they're playing offense in a phone booth half the time. Defensively, like they're not as good as what they should be, frankly, given their length and given some of the pieces that they have. It feels like there is a lot that could be done here just to try and like re-energize the fan base because it feels like this core is just like a little bit and it sucks because this core is like part of the core that won them a title but like this core does feel a little bit stale i guess right now yeah no i I agree and you know they made the move last deadline to bring in yaka purtle and like you like was that the move that was gonna and it just hasn't changed like you look at a lot of the numbers and it's what 20th in offensive rating 16th in defensive rating 19th in pace it just seems like a lot of the numbers are kind of just like right there in the middle and then you look at the record and they're 9 and 14 at time of the recording they're outside the play-in game and it just it seems like it's time it's time to pick a direction go one way or the other and I just feel very confident. I feel very steadfast in what that direction would be for me if the players I've talked about are on board with that. I I think the idea of Scotty OG in an increased role because Pascal's not there, and that's no knock on Pascal. That's not it at all. But just, you know, OG in an increased role excites me. And then you get whatever return you get from some of these guys and, and, See what you can build from there. Okay, overreaction number three. The Indiana Pacers are for real. They can make a run in the playoffs. And Tyrese Halliburton makes first team all NBA. Is this an overreaction or is it real? Oh, Sam, I want to say that it is real. Like, I want to so bad... And I don't want to hedge because I know people don't like that. I'm going (laughs) to say, here's what I want to say. I think the Pacers work in the playoffs. I'm, I think I'm going to go opposite what people think I will. I think they, they're going to work. I think they're going to just play their style. We've talked about this a little bit. Well, what, what does work in the playoffs mean? I think they're going to win a series. That's what I think the Pacers will do. I think they will run their offensive system. They'll do their thing and they will they will get a they'll get a first round win. That that's what I'm going to go with right now. So if that's working in the playoffs, then I'm in. If that's not working in the playoffs, then I guess I'm out. I'm looking at the names and I'm not sure Hallie makes first team All NBA as much as I want him to. I I don't know that he gets there. And I know we probably want to tackle these one at a time, but you just look at the names and and I'm not sure. So. I'm going to say they win a series. So if, if that's working in the playoffs, I'll buy that. And as much as I love Tyrese Halliburton, I'm going to say when you really get into it, Sam, people are going to cut into his defense to keep him from making first team all NBA. So I, I've talked about Halliburton's offense substantially at this point. Halliburton is currently having the best offensive season in the league outside of maybe Jokic. Like it's between those two right now. 
I think I would take Jokic personally, but like it's between those two and nobody else is really all that close. Now, I think there is one like very clear guard that I think is going to make first team all NBA and it's Shea Gilgis Alexander. Agreed. It's just going to be very obvious uh, that he's going to be that. Uh, if you look at EPM as the time of this recording, he is currently leading the league in EPM almost by like a full point right now. Uh, he is second overall in estimated wins added behind Nikola Jokic, who has played three more games than he has. He has been unbelievable this season. I think he is definitely a guard that makes first team all NBA. The question is, does Devin Booker play enough games? He's already missed nine. Do the Warriors kind of figure it out? Stephen Curry has been unbelievable and is worthy of discussion in this in his own right. Does Luka Doncic get listed as a guard? Is a real question. Actually, no, because there are no positions, so it doesn't matter. I was going to say, like, people keep – I I will say this, though. Don't you think people will still do it to an extent, though? Like, I don't think we're going to end up with – four big men and a guard. Do you, I, I would guess that some voters at least still do a, a little bit. Yeah. Or I do don't you, know. Or do you, uh, tr- truly, I don't know. It'll like, be interesting. So, so let's, let's say this. So we've got Shea, Joel, Jokic, Giannis, Giannis is four. Then you have one of Durant or Booker, depending on where the suns end up. You yep. have Jason yep. Tatum, potentially, you have Halliburton to throw yeah. into this as well. Yeah. You have LeBron, who LeBron, has been I, unbelievable. I have him listed. AD, who's been really good. Like, it's... Yeah. I just... I think they're going to cut into his defense. I think he ends up on the second team. I think that he... I would currently have Tyrese Halliburton on the first team. I think that's fair. NBA. I think that he probably ends up on the second team. Is I where think I'm so also. Uh unless they go out and like make a move and like he's, you know, leads the team to like 50 wins or something, or like if he leads this team to 50 wins, just like straight up, I think it's going to be a little bit hard to deny him. Honestly, like it, it will be very, very difficult to deny him first team all NBA. They're currently on that pace as we talk, like they're on pace for 50, but I, I'm, I'm skeptical. A, they get there. I'm also going to backtrack what I said. So I started looking at this and I'm like, I don't take them in a first round series against Boston, Milwaukee, or Philly. And so oh, then now man. I'm realizing they have to get the right matchup to do what I said. And so I hate that I'm going to do this. I think it's an overreaction. I don't know that they get a first round win unless they get the right well, matchup. They, they need, they need to finish fourth or fifth. Yeah. Is yep. the key. Uh, Boston. I think they would do look, they just beat Boston, but I think in a seven game series, it'd be a problem. I agree. Uh, Milwaukee, they just beat Milwaukee. Like, I think in a seven-game series, I'm a little bit more intrigued about them against Milwaukee. Like, sure. I have not loved what I've seen from Adrian Griffin. Like, I think it'd be plausible that they could cause him some issues. And sure. like, like Rick Carlisle against what we've seen from Griffin so far is a significant mismatch. Yeah. So I wouldn't rule it out, at least. Uh you know, Philly, honestly, like Philly has struggled with high pick and roll guards who can really shoot and make decisions and like stretch out Joel in any sort of 
you know, having to get away from substantial drop coverage. Like it's how Atlanta upset them, you know, a few years ago, back in 2021, if I remember correctly. So not impossible, I think on Philly. And if they finish fourth, like it's them, it's Orlando, it's New York, like it's a team like that. I don't know. Like, I I think that they have a shot. I, I think that they are very much in the mix. I think they would be. I like if I had to rank four right now to win a playoff series, there's also Miami, uh, which we haven't really discussed yet in this conversation. I think they'd be four or five for me, to be honest. If I had to rank four, if I had to rank these teams and likelihood to win a playoff series, they'd be four or five right now for me. So you never know with the matchups. It is matchup dependent, but like it's, it's a very real chance that they win a playoff. Well, so I would have them ahead of like, I would have them ahead of Cleveland right now to win a playoff series. And that's what, so I was just looking at it, the the standings, all of a sudden I'm like, dang, they're fifth matched up with Philly. Like even if they drop to six, you know, you're matched up with Milwaukee because Orlando's second right now. I I think as much as we love Orlando, we think that might change a little bit, you know, but you're also only one game from the play in Sam, as good as they have been. And so it's like, what if, you know, all of a sudden, you know, what do you have to get Boston first round or whatever? So I think I was just more, can they get into the top four in the regular season? Maybe they do that. Like maybe that's the path. Like you're saying is you end up in that. I just started looking at the matchups going, dang, like I'm not sure if I take them in a seven game series against a couple of these teams. But uh, my point was why I I think they're going to run this offense in the playoffs. I think they're going to get up and down. They, they just put pressure on you, whether it's a make a miss, whatever. And then I think like, they're just going to, they're going to turn. I think that Boston game, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was the Boston one. They turned them over a bunch, Sam, and then Boston missed threes. And, And that's the key. So if they get in a series really against about anybody, if they can turn the team over and maybe they have a little bit of luck in terms of the other team, not shooting the ball. Well, which maybe they don't because they get tired playing up and down the way the Pacers are used to, then maybe they can, you know, surprise somebody and do what I thought. So I'm talking myself back into it now. Like, screw it. Let's say yeah. a first round a first round win for him. So, so like it's hard with them, right? Because they play so up and down to their competition level because they're so variable based on defense and because their games end up being such firefights, right? Like it's insane. Like they've lost to Portland this year. They've lost to Chicago this year. Uh, they have also beaten Philadelphia. They have beaten Boston. They have beaten Milwaukee. They have beaten Miami. Uh, they've beaten Cleveland. Like they've beaten all of the teams that they are going to have to play if they've played them already. Right. Uh, They've also lost to Toronto. Right. So all of these games end up being so close and such like weird, you know, 130 to 142 games or whatever the fuck. I will say the thing that I liked in the in-season tournament was that they were able to play at a slower pace and sure. still efficiently get shots. Like that game against Boston, like it ended up being like 122 to 112. A lot of those were like free throws at the end and like, you know, runouts at the end for the Pacers where it was like 105 to 104 or something with like two minutes left in the game, right? Like that, it was a real normal basketball game. Uh, Milwaukee was like a fairly normal basketball game for the most part. Like, I think that they are genuinely a 
contender to win a playoff series. Another piece of this is like, I think they will make a move. I do think they will do something. I don't know what it'll be, but they are so well positioned with their assets and in terms of their flexibility long-term that there's no reason for them not to make a move at the end of the day. I think Aaron Neesmith is a guy I'm really keeping an eye on in terms of what he can do because I like what he brings to the table and being able to play both ends a little bit. I I like him defensively, and then right now he's shooting the ball really well. I also want to bring this. I'm a little nervous about what teams do with Hallie defensively and just attacking him over and over and over. And not that maybe he won't hold up at times, but does that eventually wear him down in a seven game series? If well, Milwaukee, it's, it's that, it's that, and will teams? So like, teams have blitzed. Like everyone, oh yes, like yes, yes, fucking everybody act like nobody's blitzed him all fucking season, right? What the Lakers did in that game, up until the Lakers game, I mean, what the Lakers did in that game is they blitzed him earlier than everybody right else court. has yeah. done this season. Like they were like, we're gonna blitz him at a half court, and we're gonna do it earlier in the game, even. Than like what everybody has done. Like teams have adjusted to that and made movements. The adjustment, the thing is that I'm not as worried about with that is that the Pacers have a roster as currently constructed to where they can adjust on the fly if you start doing that as a regular strategy within a playoff series, right? Like you have Bruce Brown that you can use as a short roller. You have Miles Turner who can still space the floor from three. I think Turner's been a little bit better as a passer this year as well. They they have enough counters, I think, to what a team can do as long as Obi Toppin isn't on the court. Uh, is a is a blitzing strategy to where I'm okay with that. I agree with you that their more concerning piece of it is what happens when teams start relentlessly attacking him, attacking him, attacking him. And can he hold up? He's competitive. Like, I think there's a chance he might hold up. It's on some level, not like full scale. Like Jason Tatum, part of what happened with Boston too, weirdly was that like they went away from attacking him with Tatum uh, in the second half for some reason in the first half, it did feel like Tatum got him like a reasonable amount. I'm intrigued to see where it goes, I guess is where I'm yeah. at. I mean, I'm intrigued no, and, by all of this with the Pacers. I think that's where my like waffling goes, Sam, is I think I believe in it, but I haven't seen it. And so then it's like, oh, should I really believe it? And then we just saw, like, I don't know how much we can equate the in-season tournament into playoff, but it, it was seemed like high-level basketball. It seemed like closer to playoff-level yeah. basketball than regular season games, normal regular season games. And we saw him be pretty darn successful throughout that. And so that gave me a little bit of hope. What you just said is also why if they trade Buddy Hield, Sam, they better get a floor spacer in return or as part of some other deal. Because you need Buddy Hield when Hallie gets trapped and you pass to Bruce Brown and Bruce Brown attacks the defense. You need Buddy Hield on the back end of that play spacing the floor. Or somebody yeah. like that. And so I, I think Buddy is important to what they do. And if you're going to move him because he's on an expiring or whatever, you better replace him with some sort of floor spacing as well. So I think our take on this is not an overreaction, but it's just early. And they have a lot of potential flexibility and like could legitimately happen is yeah. where we're at. I'm there. Okay. Yeah. Like, and if you're a Pacers fan, you're fucking 
pumped about that, right? Like yeah. you've got to be pumped. Yeah. Okay. Overreaction number four. The Cavs core does not work anymore and is running out of time. The Cavs, for full reference here, are as of the time of this recording, 13 and 11. They're ninth in the Eastern Conference, but that's fine. They're they've been okay this season. Eighth in defense, 24th in offensive rating. Donovan Mitchell this season is averaging 27 points, six rebounds, five assists. Has been fantastic, uh, especially earlier in the season. Uh, Darius Garland has been a little bit more hit or miss. I think he's actually played a little bit better when Mitchell hasn't been on the court. Uh, it seems like there's a little bit more freedom there. Uh, Evan Mobley, I think, has been great defensively. I think he's been much better as a rebounder. I think he's been able to deal with like contact a little bit better this season. I feel like. Jared Allen is probably the one that like it feels is maybe getting lost a little bit more often in the shuffle for me. And I don't totally know what to make of this. Max Struess has been great, like has been awesome for Cleveland so far, in my opinion, the passing ability, uh, his shooting ability obviously is well regarded at this point and well stated. I don't know what to make of this team, but I do feel like, they need to figure out a way to like shake up this core in a way that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. I'm with you because I go, dang, Donovan Mitchell, really good playing really good. Darius Garland. I just watched a game today, man. Darius Garland's really good. They didn't even have Evan Mobley in this game. And you just outlined what he is defensively. I thought Jared Allen was actually decent in that game. Did some, some interesting stuff in the short role, like made a jumper, made a little floater, made a pass out of it. I think Max Struess has been absolutely awesome. I even like some of the pieces off the bench. And I'm like, but they're not that good. I don't find myself getting that excited about it. And where I landed, Sam, is like, I want to take them into a video game, like NBA 2K or whatever kids play. Like, I'm too old and have too many kids to get to play video games anymore. I assume it's 2K. Hopefully, I'm not aging myself here. And I want to be able to just make a trade. Okay, Donovan Mitchell's an 89 overall. I'm going to trade Donovan Mitchell for another 89 overall player, but that makes more <laughs> sense for this team. And I want to take yeah. Jared Allen, who's a 82 overall, and I want to trade him for the perfect 82 overall player that fits for this team. The problem, Sam, is the NBA in the real world doesn't work like that. You can't take 89 overall Donovan Mitchell and trade him for the perfect piece to fit the roster because you're not going to get that value in return. It doesn't work like that very rarely anyway. And so since we don't live in NBA 2K, I don't even know what they do. Like I, I just, yeah, it's a roster full of guys I like that's not working and doesn't seem to fit. And I don't know what the answer is. So this comes from Mike Zavagno, uh, who does good stuff, just like kind of chronicle, chronicling the Cavs as a Cavs fan. Uh, the Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Max Struess, Evan Mobley, Allen lineup, as of the time of this recording, is a plus 5.7 net rating right now, 112.8 on offense, 107.2 on defense. The Garland, Mitchell, Max Struess, Jared Allen lineup with no Evan Mobley is 125.7 offensive rating, 100 defensive rating. That's plus 25.7 net rating. The Garland, Mitchell, Struess, Mobley lineups without Jared Allen. Those have a 121.9 offensive rating and a 94.5 defensive rating 
which is a plus 27.4 net rating. What that tells me is that this team tends to be better with only one of those two guys on the court. Let's do it. Do it. And I think where this is going, if I was Cleveland, is I would move Jared Allen at this point. Do you think Evan Mobley holds up at the five, Sam? That's a big question, and I don't have a great answer for you. I truly don't. But they are running out of time. That piece of it is indisputable because Donovan Mitchell is a free agent after next season. Maybe they signed Donovan Mitchell to an extension. We don't know. Like, that's totally plausible. But, like, there's no there's no reporting saying that that's coming. You know what I mean? Like we, we don't have, we don't have any sort of answer here that says, Oh my God, like he is an extension with Mitchell is imminent. Right. Uh, as soon as the off season begins, because he's not extension eligible until I think the off season, if I remember correctly in terms of like the biggest possible numbers. So you need to consider like next year, might be our last rodeo with Donovan Mitchell. We just went into a playoff series against the New York Knicks and Jared Allen got absolutely punked by Mitchell Robinson. Right? Yep. We need to put, we need to do something to adjust our core in order to give ourselves a shot to build something over the course of this two year run in this two year window here. To me, the answer is probably moving Jared Allen. Well, I think what you do is maybe you do that sooner rather than later so you can find out, was this the answer? Like, it's almost a thing where you have to do it to find out, okay, can Mitchell, Garland, Mobley work? And we need to know sooner rather than later on that, as you outlined, because if that is also an issue and not going to work, then you can make that move before you lose him for nothing. And so it almost feels like that pushes up the Jared Allen potential move to maybe this deadline. And that way you can really get a feel. I I would be fascinated to see what the Jared Allen market would be for around the NBA. Just what, what he is able to bring in return and how you could piece all that together. That that would be really interesting to me. Yeah. Like I, I, haven't thought a ton about like what an actual return would be just because either it's we haven't heard anything about jared allen like being available at yeah. this point right so i it just like hasn't been something where i've been like i need to dig Think deep of- into this and like figure out what what the plan is right i'm like trying to like think of something off the top of my head that could in theory make sense I don't know that like I have a great answer, like unless unless Memphis like really wanted just like okay. a big next to him. But like, I don't know if Memphis has what Cleveland would need in order to make a deal like this work. Right. Yeah. Like I said, that's a, that's an interesting name just in terms of a team that needs a big like that. I'm trying to go through some other teams who would even be in consideration so what memphis does have some young guys but is it yeah no but you can't do that if you're trying to build for the next two years yeah yeah exactly like it's it's got to be some more proven guys like what there's no 
there's no play there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly not sure like what the answer is on Allen because you need to go get like it can't just be like a team being like, yeah, like we're getting Jared Allen like it's whatever, you know, it's just a thing, right? Needs to be like we're going out and getting Jared Allen. And he's going to be like our guy yeah. at center, right? Like there's there's no way that like Sacramento would do something wild like play him and Sabonis together, right? We've talked about this, them needing that interior presence. I, I think this is like a horrendous idea to be clear. Yeah. Like I, I can't emphasize enough how bad of an would idea somebody like Washington want to go like are they so far away that you it's not worth it? Maybe, but like what are you getting back from Washington? Like are you trying to do like Kuzma for Jared Allen or something? I like Kuzma, man. I don't hate that. Like I I would need to get something else back, I think, but like I'm just thinking, I, the like, thing I like about Kuzma is like I like the contract number two. Like that well, is doesn't a, it doesn't it go down? It's a declining contract. Like yeah. it's a good deal. Uh, maybe the problem with this is like you said, we haven't had enough time to digest it and think about it. I was just trying to think of a team who, okay, maybe they would want but a center. Do they do that like instead of just like having Daniel Gafford on the team? So that like, that that's the thing, right? Like, is it that much? Yeah. It, it is an upgrade. Let me read. Let me step. It's back. an upgrade. It's but an like, upgrade. is it enough of an upgrade? Is it enough of an upgrade that you're giving up an asset like Kuzma? Um, yeah. You know, would you want a different type of asset if you're gonna move Kuzma? Yeah, and like, are you? Uh, and so here's my worry now, Sam. I like Kuzma. If you're starting. Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Max Strews, Kuzma, and Mobley. I don't know that you have near enough defense anymore. Like you all of a sudden go from like uh, Kuzma still doesn't solve the biggest problem I think they have, which is who's guarding the Jalen Browns, the Jason Tatum's, those guys of the world. And so somebody like Kuzma doesn't solve that anyway, even though I think he slots in positionally. Would the Bulls want him instead of like, could you do like a Vooch Evan Mobley combo and like hope that Vooch could like step out and space the floor a little so bit you better? Like, I, I was going to say, so the Vooch so. idea is he spaces the floor a little bit more than Allen does. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even think that really works to be honest. Like it, it's hard to formulate an Allen deal, which is why one probably hasn't happened um, yet. But regardless, this is what we're talking about here in terms of like, they need to make, a shakeup move because the numbers dictate that they need to make a shakeup move. And Donovan Mitchell, his deal is ticking at this point. And if you, maybe, maybe you run it this year and you just let it roll and see what happens. Or if you don't run it this year, you kind of just wait and, you know, I, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe you run it this year, see if you can figure this out, but it feels like you're wasting a year. Cause like, I don't think this team can compete in the playoffs at this point is where I'm at. Yeah. That's where I'm at as well. I mean, as we record, they are ninth. They're in the play in. I mean, they're in fairness to them. They're a game and a half out of the fifth seed. So like it, it could turn yeah. around really fast. And, and, so, and look, they, they've played a really tough schedule as well. Like if you look at it, like they're, I think they're fourth in strength of schedule right now. They've played like, they've done like a big, West Western conference road trip already. Like 
they've had to play some tough teams. You know, they play Boston back to back already, right? Like on the road back to back. They've they've had a tough schedule to this. And point. and Struess is the only guy that's played all twenty three games. Him and Niang. Not that they've missed a lot of games, but 18 from Mitchell, 18 from Garland, 16 from Levert. Mobley's missed a couple. Allen's missed five. Again, it's not like it's crazy, crazy missed games, but maybe you health works and you get essentially all of those guys for the home stretch. Maybe it's worth feeling like maybe it's worth but, trying but again, out the rest of the season. I don't know. After watching that playoff series last year against the Knicks, <sighs> it's yeah. And watching the way that like Mitchell Robinson was the best big on the court in that series, when you are supposed to be the team that dominates the interior with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And that's how you won games last year. You were the best defensive team in the NBA in the regular season. After watching the way Mitchell Robinson was the best big in that series last year for the Knicks. My thing is like, how do you have faith that something gets fixed there? Now that we know that like Evan Mobley like didn't come in with like a jumper this year. Yeah. Right. That's it. I feel like you have to make a move. I don't think this is an overreaction. I think like Cleveland is trying to be a team that like makes a conference finals. That is what their express goal is right now. To do that, I think you have to make a move. Yeah. And to be clear, I think the move, I know we threw out a couple, like, I don't know what it is. I'd be interested to know what other people think. I think the move is Jarrett Allen for a wing forward that can really come in. And I would almost prioritize the defensive aspect. That, that's where like Kuzma was probably a bad idea because I think I would prioritize the defensive end of the floor there. You have Struess, you have Garland, you have Mitchell, Levert off the bench. I would prioritize like a forward that can come in and defend those guys because it, Mobley can't take those matchups anymore because he's going to be playing the five. So I would look for like a defensive minded forward. And again, I don't have the name as we record this. I'd be interested to to hear ideas, but I I think that's the move. And like Dallas isn't going to do this because they have Derek Lively now. Uh, Dallas was a name I thought of as well. Like that's, that that was one of the first ones. Like the Derek Lively has been, why, why would you do it? Yeah. And here, I think what we're going to get is you guys don't appreciate Jared Allen enough. Like we know how good Jared Allen is and how good he is defensively. And I I don't, some of the names we've talked about and whatever, like have, I I don't want people to take it the wrong way. Jared Allen is really, really good. He just doesn't seem to be the best fit for this roster. Yeah. hundred percent. You're going to prioritize Evan Mobley in this situation. Yeah. Like if you're Dallas, you have Derek Lively signed to a rookie scale deal for three and a half more years. And he's providing probably 75% of what Jared Allen is right now. Something like that. And he's only going to get better and better and better. So, and he's already like, on your team. Dallas, you don't have to, you don't have to give up an asset to get him, Sam. You have to give up an asset yeah. to go get Jared Allen. If you're the Mavs. No, that's right. Uh, it, it, it is a little bit difficult for me to find the team that this makes sense for. Uh, Jared Allen was great last year. He's been great since he got to Cleveland, like the last two years, uh, according to dunksandthrees.com and EPM, like worth 9.1 wins last season, worth 9.6 wins in 2022. Jared Allen's a really, really good basketball player. He's like a top, you know, 10 center in the league, something along those lines. It's just that like you have to make a decision like, okay, well, here, here's the wild one. Like that I would not move Evan Mobley, obviously. I was just saying, it's like, is that the, that's the other card I, though, I Sam? would not, but that's, 
you know, or like, or like, then you get into conversations about moving Donovan Mitchell. Like you have to make, you have to make a core adjustment there. I think it's not just one thing to me. And I think it's the bigs more than the guards. Uh, And to me, like with Donovan Mitchell only having one and a half years left on this deal, you're spinning your tires. If you don't make a move this year, I think. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, Let's go. Final overreaction. The New York Knicks are a conference finals threat. The New York Knicks so far this season, 13 and nine, ninth best offense, 12th best defense. That's going to drop on the defensive end because Mitchell Robinson is going to be out for like two months, basically. Uh, This team so far has played like an average schedule league wide. They are a good team when I watch them. I love this Knicks team so much. This was my this was my overreaction. I still love this Knicks team. They need a number one option, unequivocally. But like to me, like this team is not like I go out and I get Zach Levine for real dude for like the guys on my team, right? I'm not moving Emmanuel quickly for Zach Levine. Uh I would obviously continue to try and make like a real substantial swing. If one of these like legit number one options comes available. I think that again, like I don't think anybody is going to want to play them in the playoffs. I truly don't. They are going to be a difficult team to play in the playoffs. They have a lot of tough, physical switchable defenders. Jalen Brunson is like a killer. You can attack him on defense, but like as a scorer in the playoffs, it is hard to stop him. We saw that last season and we've seen it in Dallas. He he is a difficult guy to manage in the playoffs. Has his deficiencies undeniably on defense. Julius Randle, after his horrendous disaster start to the season, which this continues to seemingly be a theme for Julius Randle for whatever reason, uh, has come around. If you look at his last 16 games, so you just remove the first six games of the season, Julius Randle is averaging 25 points, 9.3 rebounds, 5.4 assists, shooting 50, 35, 75. Like, continuing just to do what he does. He turns the ball over too much. That absolutely happens defensively. You know, Mitchell Robinson is holding him up, like, on his shoulders in a substantial way. But Randle is a good player in, like, defense and, like, in the playoffs. There are concerns. I get that. RJ Barrett has been better this season. I've really liked what I've seen from him. Again, a notorious slow starter that I think has been better at the start of the season than what we've seen. Emmanuel quickly continues to be a very high end player. I have no idea what's going to happen with Quentin Grimes, but like they have one of the best center rotations in the league between Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein. They genuinely have 48 great minutes at the center position. Like obviously you'd rather have, Nikola Jokic, even though the Nuggets are getting like a real negative impact from the, you know, what, 12 minutes a game that Jokic doesn't play. But like having Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein out there for 48 minutes every night up until the next two months here, that's a real advantage that the Knicks have on teams. I don't think they make the conference finals. I want to say that up front. I think this is a team that if they make like the right move, nobody is going to want to play in the playoffs again. Yeah, I think this is an overreaction. I don't think they make the conference finals either. I'm glad you brought up the center minutes. Mitchell Robinson has been incredible this year, and it's not just offensive rebounding, Sam. 
I think he sets really good screens. I think he's been good defensively. He, he is just a like absolute fucking ass kicker out yeah. there. Like he is physical. He's strong. Like he's so athletic, obviously. Uh, defensively, he has gotten outstanding with his angles. He is an absolute ass kicker out there. And then Isaiah Hardenstein is a guy that even two or three years ago when I was just kind of casually watching NBA games outside of the Pistons before I started doing this with you, I fell in love with him back then even. I was like, this. I feel like this guy is really good. Why Why does it seem like nobody really values him? So I, I think he's one of my – and you know who I've really come around on? I've really come around on Emmanuel quickly. Going yep. back to Summer League, I was like, man, I don't know if I love the way he plays. Like he takes some shots that are kind of crazy, the pull-up threes. Emmanuel quickly, whenever he just – when he stays within himself, mostly takes catch-and-shoot threes – and then attacks, closeouts, and those things. I, I really like his game. And then you you started to say it, or maybe you you finished. They got a lot of different guys that can defend on the wing. R.J. Barrett's got a little bit better. You have DiVincenzo. You have Josh Hart. You have Quentin Grimes. You at least have options and bodies. Like We just talked about a team in the Cavs of they don't have anybody that you can throw at the Jalen Browns, the Jason Tatums, those type of players of the world. This team has those guys, right? Yeah. And, and then those guys can even – we talked about the Pacers winning a first round series. Well, they go up against the Knicks. They got a lot of different dudes they can throw at, at Tyrese Halliburton within a game and within a series. And so I'm kind of a fan. I, I like Jalen Brunson. The problem with them going to an Eastern Conference final is it goes against everything I believe in, in terms of you need the best player on the floor, Sam. I believe to yeah. go win an NBA championship, a conference finals, those things, you need the best player on the floor in a series and as much as I love Jalen Brunson as much as I even like Julius Randle they're gonna get into the semifinals and, and they're not like I'm sorry they're just flat out not gonna have the best player in the series so look like the concern is that they are I think 0-3 against Boston and 0-2 against Milwaukee so far uh, th that feels concerning to my take. If we're going to, we're going to get them to the conference finals. It feels worrisome that we can't quite get over the hump against the two teams that you're going to have to get through in the Eastern conference. I guess that like, I don't think that they should, I still think they should be using their assets that they've accumulated to try and just go get like an actual dude. What is the level of like dude dumb? that you need in order to like make a move for the Knicks like option offensive option. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. But like, I'm trying to figure out like who the guy is like, it's not oh. Levine, right? No, no, no. It's not uh, Levine. Cause I don't think Levine, like, I want to be clear. Like Zach Levine is player, not, a, but not a number not one a option number one. on a championship team. Yeah. And if, if you've, if you've done this as the New York Knicks, you've been patient, you've accumulated assets. You do it for a dude who can be the number one option on a championship team. Like, I don't think I'd do it for Pascal because I don't think Pascal is that dude. It's not OG. Pascal's really interesting for them if they could find a taker for Randall. Like, if you <laughs> could, if you could go get Pascal and then like go trade Randall for like actual assets, I don't know what that would look like. I have no idea who would do that. That would be interesting because it would give them real defensive like flexibility across the front court. Sure. And but I, that, I don't I don't see how that happens though. 
in that scenario, the combination of Brunson and Siakam, you hope gives you like a, I don't know that either of those guys are ones, but you know, a two A and a two B that equates to a one. I guess, but like honestly, like Randall's better than Siakam is on offense. If we're being a hundred, so then like, I, I don't, I don't love it. Percent um, real about it. I don't have a name of the guys that are being discussed right now. Like the, the you know, we just did the the trade deadline primer, uh, and we talked about a lot of different names. Yeah, none of those names fit the bill for me. I, I'll just say that no, 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 nobody that we've talked about fits that bill. Now. That that's my what, what philosophy. You, what do you think if they did like Fournier, Dante DiVincenzo, or something like that, and a first for DeRozan? Yeah. So so like that's that's what I was getting ready to say. My team built like my philosophy would be is you make the move for the dude, like the like whatever. I may be wrong. Like maybe you just need to make. A, an upgrade of a guy like DeMar DeRozan who can come in and gets enough buckets that that it works like that that's enough scoring to take some of the shoulder off Jalen Brunson like there's there's probably realistic to that like I understand it again I want to feel warm and fuzzy by knowing I have the best player in the series Sam but the reality is there may not be a path to that. You may ne- you yeah. may not be able to go get the guy better than Jason Tatum, better than Giannis, better than Joel Embiid, right? There may not be a path to it. No, I mean the, that path doesn't exist right now. It doesn't exist. Sure. So so the the zag to that is let's just go find a way to be better in a different way. And so maybe my team building philosophy is flawed for the New York Knicks and they should do what you're talking about. Like the more we talk about it, the more that probably makes sense. Yeah, no, like you, you need to like their, their hope I think is that like this Sixers thing just like completely falls apart and Joel Embiid ends up on the trade market. Right. Yeah. doesn't seem like that's going to happen though. Like given that Tyrese Maxey has become a legit star feels very unlikely to me. So that, how long do you wait though, Sam? That, I guess that's my thing is I would be willing to wait another year. I would play this, this season say. out with this team. If it's I, like, if the answer is I'm going to get DeMar DeRozan and I have to give up, Yvonne Fournier's expiring deal and one first round pick and you know something small. I would do that if I was the Knicks. Like I would be interested in that. Uh other than that, I, I'm not wildly interested in making a move. I agree. Because that's you probably still have enough assets, even if you do that, you could still get in on the Joel Embiid's whoever yes. X superstar that you really want to go. So I agree there. I would be willing to make a move. For a guy like that, as long as it does not jeopardize my chance at getting the huge fish that you have patiently waited for. As long as the move doesn't do that, I'm cool with it. Yeah, that's where I'm at. And look, like a big piece of this for the Knicks too is they have to make a decision on Emmanuel quickly. Uh, They did not extend him. I I don't know what his deal looks like. Uh, If I'm his, I've talked about this before. If I'm his agent, I'm going in and I'm pointing to the number that Tyler hero signed for and said, this is the number like here. And that's a, that's a bigger number than what Jalen Brunson is making for the Knicks right now. So that'll be, that'll be interesting. Restricted free agency. We saw it, you know, play out. Uh, Austin Reeves is a little different, but we saw it play out with Austin Reeves in terms of like, 
what are teams willing to offer? Are they willing to tie up that, especially that type of money, Sam, at yeah. that number? Teams didn't want to tie up that money for Austin Reeves, feeling like the Lakers were going to automatically, you know, match. And so will teams be willing to, you know, put up a contract that size knowing they could tie up their cap space for a little while? And who are the teams with the cap space and what are they going to, you know, all of that stuff as well? Yep, that's right. Okay, uh, Bryce. That's the Eastern Conference overreactions for the first quarter. Tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people what's going on. Yeah, at Motor City Hoops on Twitter for specific Detroit Pistons content. Maybe they've got a win by the time you guys are listening to this. Probably not, but maybe. And uh, general NBA and then NBA draft coverage, uh, especially as we get more and more into this. And then if you are a Pistons fan, the Pistons Pulse, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Sam, have a blast as always. And make sure you guys listen to the Western Conference overreactions coming out soon. That'll be up on Wednesday night going into Thursday morning. Uh, This has been Sam Vecini. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. We will be back on that Wednesday night into Thursday morning to talk about the Western Conference. Uh, Until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye. (laughs) 